Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back to an athlete's journey. I'm your host, Travis Reed. Today I got a special guest. Somebody I just recently met, but is a really, really good person. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, played in the NFL, which is something I always wanted to do, but I was just never good enough. <laughs> so I was like, let me stick with basketball. <laughs> and that's my ticket. I couldn't take the hits. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to just let you introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, thanks, Travis. My name is Marcus Ogden. I'm from Washington, D.C. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am a national international keynote speaker, executive coach, business consultant, best-selling author, business owner, and I'm also a brand ambassador, and I'm also a podcast host of a globally ranked top 1.5% podcast called the Get Authentic with Marcus Show. Yeah, like I said, he's a man of many hats, people. Um and his transition from sports to what he's doing now has been a great one. And like I said, I wanted to let everybody know to hear his story because it's a story of triumph, a story of perseverance. It's something that young athletes, as well as people who are, you know, just retiring, whatever the case may be, y'all can see there's something past that mountain of being an athlete. So we're just getting right into it. Uh, uh, how did your basket? I mean, how did your sports journey start? Yeah, I started playing football in the ninth grade. My brother, Jonathan, who's an NFL Hall of Famer, UCLA grad himself, mm -hmm. he started playing in the seventh grade because we were too big for Pop Warner. So I had a great career at St. John's College High School in Northwest D.C. From there, went to the Howard University in Washington, D.C., got a full scholarship uh, to play for the Bison. I uh, had a great time there. I was a four-year starter at tackle, right, left, and I even played center the last six games of my senior year. Then I was drafted to the National Football League by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who actually beat the Chargers in a thriller uh, this past uh, last week, uh, 31 to 30. Mm. So that was awesome <laughs> to see for the Jaguar community. And, you know, from there, man, I struggled immensely. And then from there, I got into a deep depression, anxiety, stress, and heartache when my mm. career in the National Football League was uh, concluded. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, trust me, it's it's a lot of people that's dealing with that same kind of thing, my, me, myself included. So I understand that, you know, that group deal of depression and all that other stuff. So like, like I said, like people can hear your story, like we were talking about how you persevered through all that, you know, to get to where you're at now. So, you know, we're, we're going to go back a little bit, you know, as far as like you started playing football in ninth grade. Did you think about playing any other sports? Yeah, I played basketball was in eighth grade. Uh, I didn't play in high school, which is too much running for me, and I was not into trying to do all that. <laughs> I did play, I did play uh, some uh, – oh, I did throw the shot put, play a little, did a little track uh, one year. I did try wrestling one year my junior year in high school. But, you know, for me, it was really just about football and having that opportunity to go and play, like I said, for the Bison and have that opportunity in that regard. So for me, it was really awesome, you know, a great career. But football was always my main ticket. I knew that if it was going to be anything, it was going to be in the gridiron, so on the gridiron in between the hashes. Okay. And as far as, like, your recruiting process to go to college, was there a lot of schools that were offering you scholarships? You know, why did you choose the school you went to? 
I had one scholarship offer from Howard University. That's it. That is it. And I took that opportunity, went to Howard. I tell athletes all the time, it only takes one, because you only can go to one school. So right. it's great to be, you know, to have everybody watch you. And that's awesome. But wherever you go, choose wisely, because, again, you can only have one school, and that's it. Makes sense. And, and then your, uh, what do you remember, like, about your college years of playing, you know, at Howard University? Oh, man, it was great, man. Playing for the Bison. I mean, Howard Homecoming is legendary. I remember seeing, you know, when I was in college, like, Little Wayne and Cash Money and DMX and Jay-Z and, you know, Puffy and, you know, all these legends, you know, uh, Buster Rhymes and, you know, I could go on and on Maya to all these phenomenal people and playing for Howard as an HBCU, as the most prominent HBCU in the world, mm -hmm. it was nothing like it because I was able to carry on that tradition. I remember watching the Cosby show growing up. Everybody always had Howard shirts on and go to Martin. They had Howard shirts on and then different world. And like every black show and even a couple of white shows actually were wearing Howard. So to go there and be playing for the Bison. And eventually I was inducted into their hall of fame in 2023, uh, 2022 October. That was a big deal. Oh, congratulations on that. I didn't know that. Another accolade we can put on the list. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What would you um what would you say is the two your greatest triumph in college and your greatest failure? What would be your two things? Greatest failure was my first game ever playing against uh Jackson, uh Jackson State in Mississippi. I thought I was much better than what I was, and I expected going to the game is crushing and killing. I'm like, oh, I'm a Redshirt freshman starting, we had a senior right guard, a junior center, a senior left guard, a senior left tackle. I'm like, wow, I'm out here with the big boys. I'm a I'm a redshirt freshman and I'm starting. Like I gotta, I gotta be the man. And then I got my ass handed to me and gave up five sacks in that game against a veteran player who transferred down from North Carolina State to Jackson State and mm. played. It's interesting now that I live in the Raleigh area. You know, in that regard. So for me, man, you know, that was my greatest failure. Then my greatest triumph was my senior year, having never played center before, getting moved to center and playing center and having a good, really good last six games and then still able to go to a bowl game, the Hula Bowl, show out well, and then get drafted to the National Football League by the Jaguars. Wow. Wow. Like I said, that's amazing. So what would you be your biggest lesson that you learned from learned from college or learned in college, rather? So the biggest lesson that I learned, you know, coming back from, you know, coming back from college was I learned how to position myself and I learned how to put myself in a position where I could always better myself and go from there. Okay. You know, and when I did that, that's exactly how I was able to say, you know what? I can adjust. I can make moves. I can pivot. I can do this. I can do that. And taking that ability from Howard and then putting into life, everyday life was huge for me. My dad was a Howard Bison. My dad played, you know, at the Mecca and he took his skill sets and transitioned them into being a very successful, you know, bank manager in downtown DC. So I learned a lot about pivoting and how to, 
position yourself and all those things from my dad, from Howard, which was really big for me in my life. Okay. Okay. Now, being the fact that you had obviously had an older brother who was, you know, pretty big name, how was your draft process uh, going to the NFL? So for me, man, you know, they said you might be a third round pick, you know, depending on how things go, or you may not get drafted at all. So for me, it was very stressful. You know, each round that went by, you don't know what's going to happen. Each pick that goes by, teams would call and say, well, we're looking to draft you. They may draft you. They may not. So it's very stressful when you get into that. But then at pick 193, uh, the Jaguars, I remember Jack calling me and saying, okay, Marcus, tell everybody else to go away. We're picking you at the 193rd pick. You're going to get some calls from some media. You're going to get some calls from people in the Jaguar community. And then in a couple of days, you're going to be flying down to Jacksonville for OTAs and to meet your coaches and to see everybody, learn the community. We'll see you in Jacksonville. And, you know, that was huge for me. And I was drafted with some great guys like Byron Leftwich and Rasheem Mathis, George Reister, LeBrandon Tofield, Brandon Green, uh, Vince Manawai, uh, you know, Lafo, who was our fullback, you know, from USC, you know, all these great guys, I played with guys like Brett uh, Romberg and all these different things, man. So great draft class, great people, great organization. And yeah, you know, for me, man, when I saw my name come across ESPN, I was like, okay, now I've made it. This is huge. And that <laughs> gave me an opportunity to go and say, you know what? I can play this game. No, no, that's, man, that's, I, you know, that feeling is just probably like sensational when you get that. Oh, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. You, you, you know that what you're doing is the highest of the high. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. Then uh, did you work out with any other teams or was Jacksonville like the main team that was going to draft you? Well, I mean, you know, I was taught the Ravens were thinking about it, the Bengals, uh, uh, the Cowboys, uh, the Colts, uh, the 49ers, the Giants. Uh, I had some uh, the Rams. So I, I, I had some great teams that were looking at me. Uh, but the Jaguars and coach Jack Del Rio and my O-line coach Paul Boudreaux, you know, they saw a lot in me and I'll always be very thankful to Jack and to coach Boudreaux for that. And I still talk to Paul to this day. He's retired and Jack is still coaching. He's the D coordinator with the Washington commanders. So he's still coaching to this day. Mm, Okay. Okay. And your career lasted six years. Was it just all in Jacksonville? Um, No, I had Jack Jacksonville, Baltimore, Buffalo, and the Tennessee Titans. So it was a great career with some great teams, uh, you know, great guys. I played with guys like my brother, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Guys like Eric Moles, uh, Willis McGahee, uh, you know, got uh, uh, Chris Kelsey, London Fletcher, you know, Lawyer Malloy, played with guys mm-hmm. like Vince Young, to Michael Griffin, to, you know, Stephen Tullock, to, you know, uh, you know, Antoine Odom, Albert Hainsworth, played, of course, with Big John Henderson and, Str- and Stroud and Mike Peterson and Don Medeiros, Fred Taylor, all in Jacksonville. So honestly, I have a tremendous amount of NFL brotherhood that I'm close to with different teams. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome, man, because that brotherhood in the NFL, you know, when we retire, if you're a good guy, now if you're an asshole in the field or you're just a, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be good. But when you're like a competitor and do your thing, it's, it's awesome. 
Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this, uh, based on your experience and uh, like the six years you played, uh, what would be your best advice for the next generation of yourself? Learn how to continue to be open to listening and don't come in there thinking that you know everything where the vets that they're lucky enough to want to help you that you don't listen. The vets are going to really help you either make the team or if you're a high draft pick, you're going to always make the team, but they'll help you transition easier onto the field. So remember, the vets are your key to success. So the minute you start thinking that you're better than them or you don't need to listen to them, then you're going to start to have problems. So always have that mentality where you're always listening to the vets, doing what's necessary, and never, ever putting yourself in a position where you're not going to follow through in that regard. Okay, okay. Now, you played six years, obviously, with four different teams. Um, when did you know it was time to hang it up, or did it kind of happen to you? It kind of, it kind of happened. And then my last year with Tennessee, after my father passed away the year prior, and I was just so into not having the right mindset. I was struggling mm-hmm. with how to focus and what was going to be next. So I knew at that time it was time to step away. And I knew that my body, I got really, really small and I couldn't keep weight on. And I had a hard time with, you know, the physicality of the line because I didn't have the size like I used to when I was younger. And, you know, it started to tear my body up. I said, man, this is just not going to be good. Okay. Okay. Like that's, obviously we never know when we, when it's time, when it's time, but like you, you start to feel like, okay. Now it's time for me to just hang this stuff. I can't, I can't do it no more. I can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it anymore. And you know what? At some point you got to say, you know what? You can't do it anymore and that's okay. And you got to try to figure out what's next in life because, you know, I look at Tom Brady and they got beat bad by the Cowboys. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom is Tom the GOAT. I mean, the absolute GOAT. But at what point is Tom going to say enough's enough? And retire and be serious. And this, you know, now unfortunately he's going through a divorce and things like that, which is really sad. But hopefully, I mean, Tom's got a huge $356 million contract waiting on him at, at Fox. Like it's waiting on him. So <laughs> hopefully, Tom will come to a place where he said, you know what? I played this game, I've given it all I have. It's time to move on. I wonder if Aaron Rodgers will move on. I mean, the Packers have to pay him. I saw over $58 million for next year. Are they going to pay him that? Yeah. Is it time for them to move on and cut ties with Aaron? I mean, I mean, Aaron was one of the greatest also. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just no doubt about it. But mm-hmm. at his age, is he $58 million worthy? I don't know. The Packers have to make that call. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think uh, a lot of our stars, even the greatest of the great, like you said, with Tom Brady for football, Everybody remembers like Michael Jordan when he went back to Washington after being three years retired or, you know, even the last years of Kobe Bryant where it was just kind of a struggle. So when you like at that level, it's hard to let it go, you know, all the way down to people, high school, college, whatever, it's hard to let that go. So mm-hmm. you retire from the NFL. What's your, what's, what happens next? So then I struggled for about six months with alcohol, addiction, painkillers, nightlife. And then I got into construction and built the largest African-American-owned subcontracting company in the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland for two years. But unfortunately, as the company grew, my ego grew right along with it. And I became very 
self-centered, very just focused on what I wanted and nobody else and no one else mattered. And I was all about money and fame and notoriety. As a result of that, I got into a predicament and I ended up pushing away my best employees. And between that and having a job go south where I spent about $3 million over budget and my change order work that I agreed with the owner and developer through a handshake was reneged on by the developer and the contractor. I filed a chapter seven bankruptcy in 2013, moved to Raleigh and lost everything that I owned at that time. Wow. Okay. That's man. I don't even know what to say about that one. That, that's just crazy. Um, yeah, like I said, a little bit speechless on that one. So you lose, you know, everything, right? And how do you build your way back up to the success that you are today? Great quote by J.K. Rawlings, who wrote Harry Potter in her car. Rock bottom was the moment that I rebuilt my life. I ended up coming to Raleigh, fired from two jobs in the same week. I ended up working as a custodian for $8.25 an hour on the graveyard shift. And as a result of that work, I ended up having what's called my rock bottom spoiled milk moment where somebody's trash and rotten meat and nasty protruding garbage got over my body, my skin, and my clothes. And that was my wake up call. I said, wow, if I don't change and put some accountability and responsibility in my life, I'll always be right here playing the victim blaming everybody else and just not having a good sound approach to how to live life in that regard. Man, I see. Like I said, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, having accountability in self is the way, the first thing to kind of like start building what you are as a person. You know, I mm-hmm. definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree with that. So, mm-hmm. You know, you you obviously you hit rock bottom and you start building your way up. What's the first big thing that you got into to move you ahead uh, to get to you to get you where you're at today? Speaking. I mean, I started trying to speak in September 2013. Didn't get a paid job for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Finally got our first paid job April 2016. Got coached in 2018. And, you know, in the last, you know, six and a half years since we got our first paid job, it'll be almost, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, almost seven years uh, uh, in April. It'll be seven years since we got our first paid job. We've worked now for 48 Fortune 500 companies as a speaker. 48, we are coaching, we're consulting, we have written, you know, uh, three best-selling books, uh, I'm sorry, four best-selling books, two by ourselves to we are our co-authors of. We have a very successful podcast. We have a phenomenal brand and all this stuff. But again, we started at the bottom and I was at complete rock bottom. What's that? 10 years ago, 2013, April, or almost 10 years ago, I was completely broke, almost homeless and not having a dime to my name. Okay. Now, and I guess my next question will lead off of the last one. How did you get into different, like you started out with the speaking, but did that speaking lead you into the podcast and lead you into different things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking was the was the catalyst. And from there, we got into coaching, mm-hmm. consulting. Mm-hmm. Then we started leveraging our brand to get parts of different businesses that we wanted to be you know, work with. 
Then for the next phase, we got into, you know, um, uh, you know, being a brand ambassador. Then we got into podcasting and, and then we wrote some books. So, yeah. So let me go back in the order. So it was speaking, then the books. Well, a first, our first book. So I became an author. So speaking, then an author, then a coach, then a consultant. Mm-hmm. Then I started to pick up equity different businesses. Then I became a brand ambassador. And then I started uh, the podcast. Okay. Oh, I mean, like I said, I, <laughs> so much stuff that you got going. Mark, I, I love it, man. Like I said, um, I, I appreciate you coming on. Got one more one more question for you. Sure. Um, you know, at one point, like I said, in our lives or our careers of, as former athletes, we all go through like a low point. Uh, my my question for you is, how did you get out of that low point? Was it family? Was it self? Was it God? Was it all of the above? You know, uh, it was all of the above. Family, self, God, or well, God first, then self. No, we go back. God, family, then self. Mm-hmm. So you know, God, family, self, and that pushed me in the right direction. And I started seeing a brighter day ahead for anybody listening that's struggling. Again, for anybody that's listening that's struggling, just don't give up. It doesn't matter if you take a step forward and go four back, two steps forward, five back, three, four, nine back, four, four, another four, then 10 back. Just keep moving forward. If you don't give up, you are impossible to beat. Boom. You know what I'm saying? That's perfect. The perfect, you know, perfect answer. Um, since you're doing so much stuff, well, I would love to like for people to find you. Sure. Me. So please let everybody know where they can find you and all your information, please. Sure. Our our our, our, our website, www.marcus M-A-R-Q-U-E-S Ogden O-G-D-E-N.com. Connect with us, shoot us a message, you know, and we love to chat with you. Yeah, and like I said, he has, he does have, like I said, podcasting, consulting, you know, speaking engagements, all that stuff, you know, and we we definitely want to support him. And like I said, if you if you uh, please like look him up because he's got everything going on. Like I said, how many people you know got a best selling book and a best selling podcast all at the same time? Not too many people. <laughs> so I give him props uh, for all that. Like I said, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you know, Marcus, man, like I appreciate you for real, man. No, appreciate having me on, Travis. Thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. All right. All right. You can, like I said, you can find me at uh, Travis W. Reed. That's R-E-E-D on Instagram. Uh, also, Travis W. Reed on Facebook. And if you're still looking for that Travis Reed Athlete's Journey merch, like I said, please DM me or uh, message me. And like I said, I'll be sending them out to you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.